The difference between successful people and others is how long they spend time feeling sorry for themselves. Barbara Corcoran, you are listening to The Real Estate Investor Show, episode number five. Welcome, ladies, to The Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. What's the key to succeed? I don't believe there is a key. I believe there's a bunch of them. From personal growth, building a team, overcoming fear and trying new things, reading books, surrounding yourself with key people. Oof, there's a lot, right? But that's also possible. And I can't wait for you to hear the story that we are about to tell you. Today, we are going to interview Teresa Calantoni. She started as an agent before she was even 20 years old. And today she's a broker with Keller Williams and runs the largest real estate office in the Lehigh Valley area with over 200 agents working for her. She also has a number of rental properties and is currently involved with new construction. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED lights, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. So welcome, Teresa. Hey, thanks for having me. Really neat background. You're, uh, you're an owner and broker of Keller Williams up in Bethlehem, PA, and uh, you're the largest real estate agency in that in that market, which is awesome. And that's yeah. super. Yes, we are. Yeah, it's really remarkable. So, um, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, we're excited to have you on here and get into a lot of a lot of neat you know, elements of, of uh, investing and, and, and running a business and, and, you know, balancing it all. But, you know, as we jump into things, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, you know, uh, obviously you have a, a brokerage and you're an owner of that business, but you're also an active investor and you have a lot of neat things Correct. you're doing with that. So yep. tell us a little bit about how you got involved in real estate and, you know, where, where did it all begin for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it feels like a lifetime ago, but uh, mm. um, so, you know, right out of high school, actually, I, I got into real estate sales, um, 18. I actually took my courses when I was 17 and I, I had to wait a little bit to, uh, to actually get hired by a real estate, local real estate company. Cause I wasn't old enough to sign contracts. Wow. So, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so I, I jumped right into it at 18. And I, I think the thing that I knew at that time was that I wasn't, I did not want to go to a four year school. I just didn't want to have more schooling, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it just wasn't for me. So just college wasn't what I wanted at that time. And so it was like, what could I do? that's professional. And I was like, wow, in 60 hours, I could sell somebody's house. So here we go. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I did that. I took the courses, got hired by a local real estate office and um, just tried to figure it out. Uh, fortunately, it, you know, it was a small family owned firm and they kind of taught me the ropes. And so, uh, so that got me into residential resales. And, and in that time period, the only way that I knew that at the time, which this was 1999, January 1999, so uh, when I started it, and the only way I knew that I could get ahead sort of was like, well, I better go get a broker's license because that's how I'm going to get a pay raise here doing this. Mm. Um, so I started taking my broker's courses. It took a couple of years. And, and then once I finished my broker's courses, at that point, we're about three years into it, um, I went into selling new construction full time. Mm. And that sort of gave me the construction background uh, that I needed to think about um, investing and 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 other things, other avenues other than just sales. Um, so I, I got my broker's license right before my 22nd birthday, and I did nothing with it for years because I was just selling new construction. And the market started to take off, and um, you know things were good, and that that just sort of occupied all of my time. And, um, so once I got, once I learned that those ropes and, and did the new construction thing for a while, um, when the market crashed, I, uh, met with one of my good friends who was a commercial broker and we actually opened an independent real estate office in 2008, um, which sounds odd that it was the downturn in the market, but it was the right thing to do at that mm. time when I look back in hindsight, because we had to make a change. I couldn't just rely on new construction sales, which were dying off and, um, 
And so I had to make a change. And, and so partnering with somebody who did completely opposite of what I did uh, made sense um, because we would offset one another. Mm. And so we opened a, a small independent office um, in 2008 and did well. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't light the world on fire, but I don't think anything in real estate was lit on fire in, in those years. <laughs> so, so, um, so we did well. And then I can say that we didn't lose. We more, you know, treaded water, but, but it was good. And um, in 2010, I was being recruited by Keller Williams. And, and uh, in January of 2011, that was the right decision to uh, plug into KW and merge our office with them. Uh, and that's when I became the broker of Keller Williams, which you had talked about earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of my business background. Um, I realized in the new construction, though, um, dealing with you know builders and contractors and stuff that the hard times, the way that these builders and the really successful ones got through the hard times is that they um, had a lot of rental income. Mm. And so that's really what saved the day. You know, it was less stressful when you had, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars coming in a month from rentals and they could, you know, take more risk and uh, not be so worried when they didn't have their sales. You know what I mean? Because things were taken care of. So, so having multiple streams of income was kind of enlightening to me. And, you know, when I look back, I feel like, well, I should have did it earlier, right? Because I didn't really Mm -hmm. start getting into it until I was like 29, 30 years old, but um, still, you know, better late than never. And um, so that's when I became focused on I needed more streams of income. Um, I needed more streams of income than worrying about where my next sale was coming from. So, um, so that's how I kind of got into the investing side of it. Right now, how many realtors do you have in, in the, your branch? Uh, in our office here in Bethlehem, there's, uh, we have just about 200 agents. Um, we, when I looked the other day, I think we were like 197. So. Okay. I, I, I can avoid asking you about this. At 18 years old, you were... You had your license. What was going on in your mind at that time? Because the, <laughs> the, my mindset at 18 was not like that. I, I know a lot of people there. It's not like that. Is there anybody that inspired you at that time well, too? Here's That's- what, here was my motivation. My motivation was that I didn't want, I didn't want to rely on anybody else for my happiness, you know, or, or my success. And, And I think the reason being is that, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and um, my dad, you know, worked hard and provided for us. And, and But I always saw that if she really wanted something, she had to rely on my dad for it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I never wanted to be in that position. And so I wanted to get out on my own as quickly as possible. And um, it was either I was going to go away to college and I was going to go really far away and have my own life or I was going to go to work. And so I chose to go to work. And um, that really was a, a driving factor for me to get out there and figure it out. And I really had no idea what I was doing at 18, mm-hmm. uh, how to sell it. I really didn't know. I mean, that's the truth. I really didn't know. And I really didn't know I had to pay income. I mean, I figured it out, but I really didn't know that, oh, at the end of the day, oh, I got to pay taxes on this stuff. Are you kidding? <laughs> so, you know, um, but that was what was going through my mind was how quickly can I be self-sufficient so that I don't have to rely on someone else. Mm -hmm. And that, that was really the driving factor at that time. So, right. I I see a lot of, uh, a lot of folks out there that use their age, lack of experience and other excuses to do not get started. Um, and you went, uh, full force, uh, at 18, um, you, You chose to go a different path instead of going to the traditional college. Um, Correct. But I, I see that you have a, a student mentality since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's education is huge. And it's not, it doesn't always have to be traditional education, right, as we've right. all learned. We continue to educate even, you know, even my friends who go to school, I mean, who have gone to college and I see them working in the real estate industry and they went to school and they're not using what they went to school for, but we're constantly educating. And personal growth has been one thing that I've always been hungry for and 
um, when I look back, it's by far the best investment I've ever made. And it's funny how through the years I've evolved with like different growth patterns and different people that have helped me. So it was like who my mentor was when I was 18 would probably look up to me now. You know what I mean? Like, so as you, as I've evolved, I've, you know, it's like once you think bigger and your mind's expanded, I can't go back. Mm. Right. So, you know, that was one thing was constant growth. And it's like the things that really excited me that I couldn't wait to do now. It's like, okay, now I'm like standing on the floor of what was the ceiling. Now I need a new ceiling to break through, you know, so the growth pattern changes or expands all the Mm -hmm. time, but it never stops, never stops. Right. We create, create new habits and new, new things to help, uh, help hit the next level all the time. There's so many things I want to ask you, but I have to, I have to prioritize here, right? Cause we only have a certain <laughs> amount of time. There's <laughs> like seven things I wrote down. So I want to get back to the rental properties you own and we want to get into that a bit, but we'll, we're going to circle back there. Since we're talking about personal growth and, and you're talking about, you know, really expanding yourself and it's you know I heard the the analogy one day that w- one one time one of these workshops that you know it's like stretching like a pair of underwear and if you stretch it too much and you eat too much <laughs> you can't go back it's hard to you know once it stretches it's pretty much like oh okay these are too big so it's the same thing I mean it's probably a horrible analogy but it's the same thought process of once you stretch yourself it's really hard to go back to who you were so like specifically what would you say is like the recipe for your success because you went from you know, an 18-year-old who they took a chance in even hiring you for, yeah, you, you know, right. like, right, that, that you, didn't even, right. you weren't even old enough to sign some paperwork to now, you know, you, you know, you have a rental portfolio, you're doing new construction, you have this enormous team, you have ownership in one of the most successful real estate, you know, uh, companies mm-hmm. in the country. So what specifically have you done when it comes to personal growth? Uh, is it a weekend? Is it a workshop? Is it a group? Is it a, is it a, is it a course? I'm curious. So, you know, my natural ability, even though I am in real estate sales, my natural ability is not the one like I'm not going to seek you out in a room to go talk like I'm the last person if I'm sitting, you know, if I'm sitting at the bar, I'm probably not the one striking up the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, somebody else is coming Mm -hmm. to me, like, it's not my natural style to do that. So I it was it's stepping it's learning when somebody said to me you have to learn and I don't know when that this was told to me but I, I will never ever forget this somebody said to me you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and when I figured out that I just got to step outside and just see what happens like what the hell is the worst that's going to happen right so it was going to you know some growth like workshops like flying to Dallas and you know signing up for signing up for coaching business coaching was probably the best thing that I ever did. Mm. Um, I signed up for like, uh, I remember back in 2008, when I had opened my real estate office, I was like, okay, I understand how to list and sell property. But I'm not, I've never really had to run a business. So making that mind shift from being a salesperson. So it's like the Robert Kiyosaki, right? You're an employee, Mm -hmm. then you're self employed, then you're a business owner, and then your money does it for you, right? You're an investor. So it was going from that salesperson to the business owner. I didn't understand. I had, you know, I kept the books. I mean, I did everything because I couldn't at the time, couldn't afford to pay somebody to do it. So I was the bookkeeper. I was the salesperson. I was the trainer. I was the, you know, everything, the admin, I was everything. So it was making that shift from being self-employed to a business owner. I needed help because I really wasn't sure what I was, how to do that. Right. How am I going to lead other people when I don't know how to lead myself here uh, into this? So I signed up for like a ninety nine dollar a month coaching program and then they had some kind of conference. And then I went to the conference and then I got to a point where I got a full time coach, like personal business coach, you know, where you're paying them, you know, a thousand bucks a month. And so that was the best thing I ever did was mm-hmm. coaching. And I've had not so good coaches over the year. I was fortunate over the years, I was fortunate that the coach that I did get was one of the best coaches for me at the time. And he really taught me how to run a business, how to keep the books, how to keep um, the people who work for me um, motivated, how to track what they were doing, how to help them set goals, how to incorporate their goals into the business. Like those types of things helped me. And by doing that, it showed me how to run a business at a at a profit. And then by having a profit, then I was able to invest that money <laughs> to create more money for me in streams of whether it's a rental property or it's investing in another real estate business, related business, or um, I've had the opportunity to build some custom homes for people because I understood the, the new construction market. 
not something I want to do all the time, but it was a good experience. So it just that coaching led to so many other things. I've had coaches over the years and I don't currently have one, but you have to be vulnerable. You have to, you know, it's, 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 yeah. it's, a, it's not just mm-hmm. like, Hey, tell me what to do. It's, it's a real mm-hmm. authentic yeah. process. It's really looking at your failure. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's failing forward. It's failing forward is what it is. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, not dwelling on it, but it's saying, okay, look, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I didn't hit my goal. Why didn't I do it? And how am I going to change it? And how are we going to make it better? You know, so in having somebody that's relatable, is really key. You know, it's key in anything in business. You know, he taught me that you have to hire to your core values, you know, and it's like funny because it's not, I learned that when I look back and I didn't know this at the time, because we, I think everybody gets caught up in how am I going to do this? Right. So if you're thinking you want to buy your first property, you're like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to save $50,000 or 30 or whatever it is? Right. How am I going to save that much money to do it? And it's not so much how it's who's going to help you do it. You know what I mean? Because there's a way and there's somebody, if the opportunity is there, that's going to help you. It's who's going to help me get there. And that he taught me that I had to surround myself with people who had the same core values as me, because when things are going great, everybody's doing well, right? Everybody's happy. It's when, you know, the, the times get tough and the road gets rocky when you have to have those core values in order to stick together to make things work. So absolutely. Yeah. I want to touch base on that. You're part of a mastermind group called Symmetry 7. Yes. Yes, that's correct. I want you to talk more about it. So I got involved in Symmetry 7 by kind of by accident. Um, <laughs> what happened. Um, you know that there's no accident. Well, right? there's no accident. <laughs> I guess you're right. There are no accidents. So um, one of my business partners here uh, in the real estate company, he joined GoBundance, which I'm sure most of you know what that is. Yeah. And he joined um, GoBundance. And I said to him, my my staff was telling me and my, my team, and, and we're real good, and we were doing some goals. And they're like, hey, I live in such a small town here in Bethlehem. And they're like, you know, you need to be challenged a little more. Like, we feel like you're not challenged enough. Like, you feel like you're bored. You know, mm-hmm. and and one of the women who works with me, and she's a good friend of mine. She said, "You know, you should see if there's anything like this for women." So I walked into Sean's office and I said, "Hey, do you know? I mean, I know you're part of Gilbert and some Is there anything for women?" And he's like, "You know what? Ironically, they're starting a women's group." And I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "There's no question that you'll be in it." And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, so I, I fill out this application and I send it to the guy who runs GoBundance who happens to be a friend and, and the women interviewed me and I went to talk about stepping outside your comfort zone. I went to Mexico with, I forget how many women were there. It was probably like 14 or 15 women and did when not know it? one person. This was, um, so I got into this group. It was at the time it was GoBundance for women, but we spun off and became Symmetry 7 because the GoBundance didn't work out for the women's side. But it was January of 2016. So not that long ago, right? Mm -hmm. So January of 2016, I flew to, I was like Cancun or whatever. I flew to Mexico and I met these women and we all stayed in a house. I actually had to share a bed with (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I was like, there is no way we are too old. How old are we? 12? We're not sharing beds. <laughs> you can imagine with somebody I've never met before. So yeah. when I got there, I was debating to go right back to the airport and fly back home. <laughs> and, mm. and thank God I didn't. I didn't. And I stayed. And it was a, it was a great growth experience. We ended up all becoming friends. And we evolved into this group called Symmetry 7. And I think there's like nine of us in the group right now. But we are mostly United States. I think there's one woman uh, with us from Canada. And um, we get together once a quarter. and Or we, we have an event once a quarter. I guess mm-hmm. everybody can make it once a quarter. But we, we do what we call a balance sheet. And the balance sheet is like a snapshot of your life. So it's got your financials on it. And you present your financials to the group. And then it's like the other pillars of your life. So, you know, relationships, career, spirituality, fitness, you know, all that stuff's there. And then you have your top priorities um, that you want to have for the year or whatever. And you go over them, you talk about what you've, what you've accomplished, what you need to be held accountable for. And then that's, you know, we go over all that stuff and we try to hold each other accountable to it. And we do a bunch of fun stuff. So that picture that you said that you saw, we were actually, I was with them in Las Vegas uh, last month, I think. We were in Las Vegas last month and we took a helicopter ride into the Grand Canyon. So that that was that picture that you saw. But uh, we do a lot of fun stuff and we've become 
such good friends because we all have the same types of values. It's a bunch of women coming together who work hard, we're high performing, and we like to have fun and hold each other accountable to the things we right. want to accomplish. So. And it's also a safe a safe place for you guys it, to share totally. the struggles and be honest Absolutely. with each other and yep. inspire. Mm-hmm. Nobody judges anybody. You know, it's a non-judgmental situation. You know, not everybody's perfect. People have setbacks. We don't always hit our goals. Um, things happen. It's a safe environment, but it's supportive. Well, so, you bring you bring up yeah. a great a great point. And Andres and I, it's how we kind of, uh, you know, started before we even started this podcast. We we're we're in a mastermind together, and you know, it's important whether women, you know, are just starting out. They, you know, or they're in their their growth mode of their business or wherever they are. It, you know, it's really important to be in something like that to have women that are looking out for you and to support you and that have mm-hmm. common, like you said, common yeah. values. That's so, it's so important, especially when you're talking to like friends that, you know, you've been friends yeah. with forever. They love you, but you tell them, Oh, I'm really excited about this, you know, fill in the blank. And, 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 you know, they're, you're looking it's, at, you know, it's just like, yeah. you're looking at it's them. Not for, what they're, yeah. They're your friend, but they don't understand that. And they can't wrap their head around right, it. And right. Therefore it's taken like they're not being supportive or whatever. Right. Right. So yeah, it's different. It's, it's nice. And, and we're from all over the place, like, you know, California, Arizona, Utah, Florida, Pennsylvania, you know, we're yeah. all over the place. So it's nice that it's a, really a mix. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, I, I really, I look forward to it. I mean, the, some of these, you know, I just, I could call any of them at any time and, you know, they would lend a help. Yeah. Me. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. So just to shift gears a little bit, I, I want to get back to your, your, your rental properties as well. Tell us a little about your portfolio. What is it made up of? And, and yeah, what so are you I don't on? have a huge rental. Por- I mean, I know we're, we're talking, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I have a huge rental portfolio. So I have six properties and they're all local to my market. And they're just, uh, there's a, we have a bunch of colleges around here where I live. So, mm-hmm. um, I try to invest in a close proximity to the college so that, you know, it just, it, the, typically the college buys a lot of the properties in the area and they kind of keep it a little bit nicer. And then you got, you know, it's a little bit more, I don't, I'm not gonna say it's more affluent, but it's just, um, you know, it's easier to rent them. And, uh, and I just, I don't know, I just like those areas and I, they're usually good value. So the first one that I ever bought, I bought the property and then I did, so there's, there's an acronym for this and it's, it's escaping me at the moment. I'm not going to be able to do it off the top of my head, but there's an acronym that I read this article on where it was like, buy the property. Um, or the Burr strategy. Yes, yeah. exactly. The, oh, the bird strategy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're supposed to add an A in there and you advertise it and then you can write it off or whatever, but we won't talk about that right now. So, so <laughs> oh, yeah, I that's did the that. new thing. Yeah. yeah I, I did that strategy. And what, what, and, and what Therese is talking about is, is basically a strategy. You're, you're buying a dilapidated you know, rental property and, and you're, you're buying it so that you add the value, you fix it up, you, know, you put the new fill in the blank, and then yep. you're basically then refinancing it. And then yeah. the beauty of that is you're pulling money out and then you're repeating it and doing it over and over exactly. again. Okay. Exactly. And I remember the first one that I did, like, so I bought it, um, got it rented, you know, fixed it up, got it rented. And then I did a cash out refi. And I remember I got a hundred percent of my money back plus a thousand dollars. And I was like, I was like, whoa, I'm like, how do I do this all the time? Yeah. Right. Cause I was like, that's amazing. I'm like, I just used zero. I'm like, basically I got a hundred percent of my money back and I'm like, okay. And I'm in a cash flows. And so I'm like, okay, how do I continue to do this over and over again? And so that really was the first time I did that. I remember talking to one of the women in the Symmetry 7, and I was like, I felt like I invented fire. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, got, I just used no money, and, I, you know, I got I got it all back, and I got a tenant, and it cash flows, and, you know, yeah, that was that was really eye-opening. It, it was actually thrilling. You know, it was a good – it was a good feeling because it was like, okay, it was like a victory, and I'm like – I could be addicted to doing this. Like if it, but it's not that easy, obviously. I've bought some that just are not, they're like forever ongoing nightmares of repairs. Of course. But, you know, so it's not all, you know, beautiful. But um, but yeah, that's really been my strategy. So the new thing that I have, the newest uh, thing I'm going to try is um, I just purchased uh, three lots and they're right next to each other. And uh, my intention this spring is to uh, start building um, I'm going to build three properties. So single family, two, one's a twin, one's a duplex, and one's a single on these lots and, uh, and rent those out. So that's, that's the start from, start from scratch, like start from brand new and, and try it. 
So tell us a little about that process. So, you know, Andressa and Andressa and I have been involved in both of those, you know, strategies and, and they're different, right? They're, they're, they have a different feel. There's a different process. I mean, you know, Andressa oh, yeah. can it's a much longer process, much longer construction. Andressa, yeah. that's her, that's her expertise. I would be kind of, you know, foolish to tell you the whole thing. Cause I would miss a bunch of things, but the, the, the point though is that it is a transition. Now the six properties are those are those duplexes. Those Mm-mm. duplexes. No, no, they're all single family. Single family. But, okay. I mean, they're like maybe like a half, you know it could be a half a double, but they're all single family. Gotcha. Okay. You know so, properties. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so yeah I don't are, have any multifamily. I don't have any multifamily. They're all single family. So what inspired you to shift a bit and you know buy do you know buy the lots and do new construction? What what for you shifted that? I, you know that's a good question. I don't know what. Well, I, I don't even know why I was looking at lots. I think I was looking, I, I think that, you know, being in real estate, I saw them come up and I thought, hmm, these could be a, be a pretty good deal. And so um, there was multiple offers on them and I put a, I put an offer in and I thought, uh, well, here's what I did. Here's how, it, here's, this just sparked my memory. So I called the bank that I deal with that does these cash out refis for me because I do them with commercial lender because I do it. I don't, they're not residential, they're commercial loans mm-hmm. that I get on. And so, um, so I said to him, I said, Hey, if I want to build a property for rental, would you fund it? And he said, we don't really do that, but it's a community bank. So they can kind of bend the rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's like, we don't, we don't really do that. He said, but if you're really just going to rent it, he goes, and you're really going to rent it and you're not going to sell it. He's like, we'll consider doing it. And so that was, to me, was the first thing I was like, okay, I got the financing, mm-hmm. right? So if I pay cash for the lots, then that's my down payment. And then all I need to do is, you know, not all I need to do. There's a lot that goes on in freaking building and getting a building permit and building a house in today's oh, world. But and there's, a lot of codes, there's a lot of codes and a lot of details that go along with it. So be by, you know, beware if this is something you're thinking about doing, make sure you know somebody who does it all the time. But um, so that was the first thing that, I made that call first and I said, Hey, look, if I do this, could, would you finance it? And he said, yes. And so that gave me the motivation to say, okay, let me go buy these lots. These will be the down payment, um, on the loan. You know, they're, they're worth, you know, to make sure that they were going to be worth 20% of the project. Cause that's what they want into it. Right. Cause yeah. if I default, they want to make sure that they're going to get the money back. So, um, so, that was the first thing. And then, um, the secondly, I, you know, took a contractor out there because these lots are a little bit sloped and I wanted to make sure that the excavation work wasn't going to kill me. So I had somebody do that, look at that. And then, uh, so then I thought, okay, well I have a preliminary approval plan. You know, my next step is then, you know, getting, getting approvals and, and, uh, pulling a building permit and, and moving forward. So the which I have part. Yeah. I'm yeah waiting for the CD to answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the part that but those were that was how I got to it. I saw this opportunity and I thought, hmm, these could be a good deal because all the houses around it uh, were new. It was an area that was like newly developed and it was developed for um, it was actually developed for like lower income housing, but they were all brand new. And, and still in a nice area, like they're around the college. So, um, so I was like, okay, I can pick these up very reasonable, I think. And if I do that, um, and I wasn't scared of the fact that they were a little bit sloped and I knew that I could, I I could work. Are you building three of them at the same time? Well, I wanted to build one, rent it, build another, rent it. And, um, the con, the contractors like, you know, it's cheaper if we're here doing the excavation yes. work for all three. <laughs> so, yes. so I was like, I haven't determined that yet, but it looks like that's probably what I'm going to end up doing. Well, so. that we are actually, Liz and I are doing, um, that right now. Um, we're going to sell it. We're not going to rent it. Um, the, the neighborhood doesn't, uh, cash flow well over there and our exit strategy is to rent, but, we were able to leverage a lot the numbers by building three at the same time mm. instead of just building yeah. one or yeah, so that so. that was we had to negotiate that with the with the, all the suppliers and with the with the GC as well. So yeah. the numbers made a lot of sense building three at the same time. And so that's kind of where I'm going with it. I think, and you know, the and as you know, it's like the the structure. The foundations, the structure, the roof, um, 
you know, all of that stuff, like the interiors, the kitchens and stuff like that, I can stagger that, you know what I mean? If I wanted to yeah. do one and then get it rented and then do the night, like that stuff I could stagger. Um, okay. But the actual construction, I think it makes sense to do all three while they're in there, you know, while the machines are there, while the, you know, it's yeah. just, it, it does make sense. So that's probably the way it's going to go. So. Awesome. I want to circle back on something you said that I, I really I think it's really helpful for our listeners to, to really get and, and to really take home. You know, you you saw these lots, but you didn't really begin this kind of thought process until you spoke to the bank and then you went to a relationship that you were comfortable with and that mm-hmm. they knew you, they liked and respect you. And, and you got the financing set up. And I think so much in this business, people are like, just find the deal and the money will follow. Well, yeah, but, but no sometimes. And it, I, I sometimes disagree with that thinking. I think it's much more strategic to actually line things up. And you can't get everything lined up perfectly. But it's no, so much more not. helpful to be strategic in your approach and to get your relations set up and start to plant these seeds and then the lot, and then you start looking for the lots. And I think that actually is more of an inspiring strategy versus there's lots and you're like, well, how am I going to pay for them? I don't know anyone. Well, maybe that's not what you start with then, you know, you know, so I, you know, but I think a lot of, um, I wanted to say was a lot of women and a lot of investors, I should say, but this, you know, obviously shows geared towards women, you know, a lot of investors will say, well, I don't have those bank relationships yet, you know, or I don't have all the money. You know, start with who like and respect you today. There are people in your life that like and respect you today. You went to a banking relationship. Everyone has people that like and respect them. And I think that's where you start, you know, whether you know it's the realtor or it's the banker or it's the community insurance guy that you've known for 10 years, whomever. But I think that's an easy way to start. And I don't think people realize that. Yeah. And like I said earlier, you know, I think a big thing is getting past the, like, how is it going to get done? Who's going to help me do it? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. we can't, we can't do this alone. I, I I don't know about you, but I cannot say that, you know, I, I ha- have only experienced the success I have because I've surrounded myself with people who have helped me get there. Yeah. And, and sometimes it wasn't on purpose, you know, sometimes it, you know, and I know you say there's no accidents, but sometimes <laughs> I just, you know, took a chance and then I met somebody and then I was like, oh my God, yeah, okay, this person can help me. And, or the person helped me in a way that I know I thought they were going to help me in a different way, you know? Um, so it, it's that, that type of thing. But if you don't put it out there and you don't take that first step, being afraid of failure is probably the worst thing that there could be because it's okay to fail it's just it's just making sure that you're you're learning from it and that you don't fail over and over again making the same mistake and I continue to fail every day it's the stupid stuff you know and things happen that don't go your way and I'm sure everybody experiences that and it's just it's just making sure that you're realizing it you're you're taking responsibility for your actions i find too many people want to point the finger it's take responsibility for your actions you are 100 percent accountable for yourself 100 percent of the time a, a big myth also is that we don't have fear right and we, we act we <laughs> act in spite of the fear i think that that's yeah. the the key for a lot of folks out there that are either starting or looking to get the to the next step surround yourself with the right people and and take action even if it is a, a baby step but take action and and act despite your fear yeah yeah and like i said you know when somebody told me you got to be uncomfortable being, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable you know and that and that was really a very important thing was that i you got to you know stepping outside my comfort zone and, and doing things that i i don't feel good about and i might look like an idiot because i don't know what i'm doing but you'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want it well, bad enough, you'll figure it out. <laughs> exactly. So, do you manage yeah. and do you manage all your, your properties, Teresa? I do. I do. Yeah, I, I do it myself. But. What is the greatest tip that you can offer people? Because we, you know, we, we also, you know, manage quite a bit. And we've, you know, so, since, you know, strategizing, I'm moving, moving beyond some of that because it can get a little, you yeah. know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's management, right? So I'm curious yeah. what, if you had to the give our- tip. <laughs> the re- the listeners tip. One, one tip uh, of self-managing what would it be i'd say the best tip and i know this sounds goofy is you, you got to pick the right tenant mm. um because 
you know, it's not just having uh, too many people are worried about being vacant for too long. It's never been an issue of mine. I will make sure that I get the right person in there because the last thing I want to do is go through an eviction process and have them, you know, just go through that. It's just a pain in the butt. So it's making sure that, and there's no, there's nothing that's foolproof, but it's screening the tenant properly to make sure that they're a match for the property and that they're going to take care of it in that, in that if they do have something wrong, they're communicating with you. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'd say that's the best tip is screening the tenant properly, you know, taking the time to screen the tenant and making sure that they're the right fit, because if they are, then it just makes your life a heck of a lot easier. The management is just, you know, it's not as it's not as it's not as difficult as when you have somebody who is difficult. <laughs> so it's really that good point. would be. Yeah, that would probably be the number one thing. You know, and there's little things that I look for. It's like. Like, okay, what does their car look like? You know, what? how quickly are they responding? What does the voicemail on their phone sound like? You know, like, you know, like just little things that I look for when, you know, when I'm trying to find a tenant that I think might be a match for me. So I heard once, you, you know, people teach you who they are. Listen to yeah. them the first time, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People, yeah, people teach you how they want to be treated. Yeah, so. Yeah, we're 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 interviewing for a role in our in our company, and and then the guy must have just sent out a bunch of applications because he said, "I saw your job ad on this website, which we never posted." So I'm like, I don't know if I really want to interview you, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm lying, is if you know, it's like these, you know, it's like you really have to listen to people when they start to show you who they are, you know, and yeah, yeah. it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, like I said, if they take responsibility, you know, people are tenants for a reason, you got to keep that in mind, right? Mm -hmm. Because if not, they probably be homeowners. And so they're tenants for a reason. And that's okay. You know, I'm not always looking at how perfect their credit is or whatever. But it's like, do they take responsibility for what they what they've done? So if they do, then I'm going to be able to get them on the phone. They're going to communicate with me. Mm. They're going to tell me when something goes wrong. Um, that kind of stuff. So those are the things that I, I think screening the tenant is is the the most important thing when it comes to managing the property because it just makes it that much easier. Yeah. So and and not to, for people to rush so then they get into a mix of well I gotta get somebody yes. in there and you know and yeah then we don't get... do it out of necessity do it because you want you you yeah. know it's it's what you want to do yeah. Yeah, that's great. One other question before we transition. There's just a ton. I, I, you know, I'm going to need like a few hours for this interview. <laughs> you know, I, I also was curious to have you explain a little bit about your, your background as a, as a woman, meaning that you're running a business, you're, you're not relying on any, you know, you don't have anyone doing it for you. You're doing, you know, you're running this business, you're an owner of Keller Williams, you're buying these properties, you're, you're financing everything yourself. And I think that's uh-huh. very, very inspiring for, for women out there, um, all ages. And, you know, I'm just curious, uh, you know, what advice would you give women out there who often will give you, give, give people tons of excuses, you know, I'm too busy, I'm too this. And as, again, as women, we have a lot of responsibilities, whether you're married or not married, whether you have kids, you don't have kids, you're, you're still balancing life. You're, you know, you're often the person who's pulling relationships together. And there's, there's mm-hmm. more to life, I think, as a woman than, 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 than not. So what is a, you know, a bit of advice you can give uh, women out there. I mean, you, you built something from nothing, you know, and I, I think that's a, yeah. and you're in your thirties and you know, that's remarkable, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, so it, it, it you know, it's, there's probably a ton of things that women need to do, but what can you say to someone out there that says, you know, wow, like how, how do I, how do I do that? And how do I emulate those qualities so I can create that financially free life? Well, you know, first of all, if there has to be a will, there has to be a drive, you know, that's the first thing. Like I said, it's having, having a mentor or having a coach is helpful to help you get wherever you want to go. And I think that for me, it's, I get this attitude that when something goes wrong, right, and inevitably something's going to go wrong, right, things go wrong in our life. So when something goes wrong, I always feel like, okay, the best way that I can rebound this is to be stronger, build it better, and move forward and uh, and make that like it's not a big deal anymore, right? Get beyond it. Mm. And so whatever that means, you know, and it's, it's doing the right thing all the time, you know, uh, trying to do the right thing all the time, being growth focused, 
goodwill goes a long way. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. how, how, and I feel like that takes a long time to come back to you. But if you do something for somebody and you do it out of the goodness of your heart and you come from generosity and, and contribution, that does come back to you. And so always just having that attitude has really helped me um, because, like I said, if when I called the banker, you know, the first time I called him, I never had a loan with him, but he knew who I was, mm. right? Um, and so, and it wasn't a big loan, but he was more than happy to do it. And he came to my office and I didn't have to leave and he signed the paper, you know what I mean? So I think just always making sure, not worrying about, uh, you know, thinking long term, you know, thinking about how what's longevity look like, not about making a dollar today. It's about longevity. And that's always sort of been my focus. It's, okay, how am I going to get to where I want to go? Uh, who's the kind of person I have to be in order? You know, who would I want to be? Who would I want to look up to, right? So it's just thinking like that um, has been helpful. And quite honestly, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So you have to ask, yep. right? So you have to ask. You have to get out there. Um, and, you know, and I, for me, it's like I come into the office and I, I get up early in the morning. Um, I start my day really, really early. Uh, and, and I like to do something for myself in the morning when the world is quiet. You know, when What time do you wake up? Um, I wake up between 5 and 5.30. Um, so that's, that's about the time that I, I like to get up. So, but what's great about it is like the world's quiet. So I do something for myself. And me, I need people to hold me accountable. So, you know, for mm-hmm. me, it's like I go to the trainer twice a week. Uh, I work out with him twice a week because if I didn't do it, I probably wouldn't go, right? So I got to do that. So I wake up early. I do something for myself. Whatever it is, whatever I want to do is something for myself, um, whether it's reading or whatever. Uh, And then I'll go to the gym twice a week. Or I get to the office early when nobody's here so I can concentrate and get rid of the interruptions. And then when I am here, it's it's my door is open to everybody, but it's no nonsense, right? I'm not in the mm-hmm. office like gossiping or whatever. We're we're here to do business, and that's the example that I want to set with them. Like I love to have fun and I play hard, but I also work really hard so that I can take nine vacations a year and I can play golf, you know, three or four days a week in the summer. You know, it's just that's the example that I like to set. I'm here early. I do what I have to do. Um, and, and the other thing too, about moving forward in life, when you asked like, how do I, how did I do all this? It's, I really set, um, the time to have a personal life because if I didn't have that balance, I would get burned out, right? I need that time to unwind. I would totally get burned out because in any industry you could work all day long, mm-hmm. you know, like all day, all day, meaning day and night, like 24 hours a day. And so I need to have that balance. So I literally, you know, in my calendar, my assistant, my staff, everybody sees it. I have my personal time in there. I'm not afraid to share it with them. Like, Mm. yeah, I am. I am in Florida this weekend. And yes, I am at the shore this weekend. And yes, I am playing golf this afternoon or tomorrow morning or whatever. They get to see all of that. I don't care. But that's, you know, that is my escape that's how I balance it all and that yeah. also motivates me to have thinking time so that I can think about the next things that I want to do and and how to get there but it's really and like I said before it's not how it's who's going to help you get there that's really what it comes yeah. down to yeah it's a great that's great a question point. yeah who's going to help yeah. you get there so yeah. so Teresa uh, you know this has been so valuable and you had mentioned to us too about uh, writing a book and you got to mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm glad you're writing a book. Cause if you weren't writing a book, we'd probably tell you, you should be writing a book. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Everybody's just telling me that. And I'm like, what the hell do I write a book about? Cause you know, I don't think it's too extraordinary. You know, I'm like, I get up in the morning, I go to work, I live my life. I'm like, I go home and just like everyone else. So the book, I, I'm not a hundred percent set on the title. So I don't know. Do I dare say it? I guess I will. But so one Put day it out was, there. Okay. So I'll tell you a quick story. So one day I was, I, people follow me on Facebook and stuff and it it just never realized like a lot of people are like, wow, I'm like, you you go to so many places. We love following you on Facebook. We like to see where you're at and what you're doing. And, and so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know? So I was talking to this one. I was in Park City, Utah in July at one of our um, Symmetry 7 events. And um, there was a woman there who was an author and I'm talking to her and I didn't know that she was our guest. Like we always have a guest and I'm just at a party and I'm just talking to her. <laughs> and like I hadn't seen her at the house, so I didn't know, I, you know, whatever. And so she says to me, 
long and hold, I find out she's like our guest and the author or whatever. But um, so she says to me, she goes, you need to write a book. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, people tell me that all the time. She's like, no. And I said something to her about I live my life like my life consists of seven Friday nights and seven Monday mornings. (laughs) I'm like, every night it feels like a party and every morning feels like Monday morning. (laughs) And she's like, oh, my God, that's the greatest title for a book. Yeah. (laughs) And so I like um, it. Yeah. Yes. So uh, something around that. And. I, you know, she was kind of like, do you know how many people would love to know how to live their life now mm. instead of waiting, you know, like going through like basically going through all this time of their great years and waiting until they're older to really enjoy it? Because you yeah. see that so much. Right. Right. I was just in Florida last weekend and I. I remember I'm like, not not that there's anything wrong with it, but I went into this gym and like I was the youngest like I was the youngest person, I swear, for <laughs> 30 years in the gym. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, what's I'm like, I don't know about this. It's like this is just you know, and it's I understand why they're there or whatever, but I all I could think of was like I wouldn't want to wait, you know, in order yeah. to do this kind of thing. Like how you there is a way that you can have that balance and you can get achieve your successes and still enjoy the life that you want to have. There's a way to do it. And I don't know that I figured that out yet, but I do my best to try to make the most of it. So, so the books like about that kind of memoir of your your path and process. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. About how to do it, you know, and how to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. You know, I get to do some really fun stuff and, you know, it's just, it's just, those are the, those are the choices and those are the priorities that I make, you know, it's priority to me. So mm-hmm. that's why, that's why I get to do it. And I think that's with everybody, you know, we have the saying here at Keller Williams, what you focus on expands. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, whatever your focus is, is what's going to expand. So you have to think about what you really want. So that's, right. that's, that's yeah. awesome. I think we're going to have to have a, a different podcast just to go over all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, I wanted to uh, to go over our what we call our fabulous three questions. So let's get into it. I wanted to know from you what's the most transformational book you ever you have ever read. So the book I, I will say is when I was I, and I don't know how, how old I was. <laughs> I was probably nineteen or twenty years old, and I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that was probably one of the um, most transformational books I've ever read it impacted me so hard at that time no 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 doubt about it yeah, yeah. Th- this one was um the reason why I started so it impacted me in a very profound way too yeah yeah it, I mean it was that it gave me like I was like oh my god you know it just it just said things that you just didn't hear you know what mm-hmm. I mean um and given the path that I've taken in life you can see that that was you know, definitely an inspirational thing. So absolutely. So second one, most powerful routine that you institute for yourself that helps you create this, you know, financially okay. free life as well as a balanced life. So it relates back to a book. <laughs> um, so when I read the miracle morning, that was another mm-hmm. one. Um, miracle morning changed my life too. Uh, so the most impactful routine I have is waking up at between five and five thirty. What it's taught me is that no matter where I have to be, so on the weekends or if I'm somewhere, like I don't make myself wake up early, I, you know, at this point I kind of just wake up early now, but I've always said, okay, if I have to be somewhere, I need to be up and active three hours before I have to be there, right? So that's kind of like what it's changed mm-hmm. for me because it gives me the time to unwind and I go through, I try to go through in the morning, like I look at my calendar um, and I think about, okay, what do I have to do today? And then I think about how are these conversations going to go? So I try to play them out in my mind. So if I have something important, if I have a meeting with somebody or an appointment with a client or whatever it is, I try to think about, okay, what are all the things that, that could be concerned for them? And if they ask me that, how am I going to respond? Like I try to go through all those conversations in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a routine that I do. And I didn't do it for this because I didn't know what it was going to be. <laughs> but I think we're doing okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but uh, that's, that, that is a routine that's very impactful to me in the morning. And I know also it's uh, if, I don't, if I don't work out at least two to three times a week, 
um, which for some people that's nothing, you know, but if I don't do that, I feel, I don't feel good about myself. So that's another routine that I, that I, you know, have incorporated. Got it. The third one is which woman can he be famous or not alive or dead? Doesn't really matter. Which women or female has inspired you the most? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. God, in my lifetime. You know, I, in the beginning, I, I've referenced the fact that I saw my mom being a stay-at-home mom. And I, the truth is my mother and I are, do not, are not very close, um, which is, you know, I, I found being in this group with, with other women who were very successful, it seems like a lot of them didn't have a real tight relationship with their mom. I don't know why that is, and I never looked into it. Um, but I saw what I didn't want, and that was very impactful for me. If that makes sense, it was like having that figure there to say, okay, you know, uh, this is not what I was. So that in my early in my life, I think that that was really important. As I've gotten older, uh, there's a woman, her name is Mo Anderson. She's the, uh, she was the chairman of the board of Keller Williams Real Estate. Um, she's lived a pretty amazing life. And she wrote a book called The Tenant Farmer's Daughter. And she has a pretty, uh, she has some really stern values and a pretty amazing way about her in dealing with people and how she's lost everything and rebuilt everything, uh, came from nothing. Her story is pretty inspiring to me. And obviously, I'm a KW broker. So, you know, it's kind of like when you think back about things were hard. When you look at, if you read this book and you look at what she went through, it's like, okay, it, you know, we can get through this. <laughs> you know what I mean? There we go. So, I'm adding to my list. <laughs> yeah. So, that type of thing, you know, I'd say that she's, you know, she's kind of one of those people who, who has really been impactful uh, in my life as well. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. This has been absolutely fantastic. It just, Good, you, know, I'm glad. you know, wealth of, of, of information, you know, for, for our listeners on, you know, mindset and then just, you know, specific tactical, you know, real estate investing strategies as well. So just thank you so much for taking time. You know, you got to get a lot on your plate. So thanks for taking yeah. time with us <laughs> no and, problem. you know, and being part of this. And, uh, you know, we just really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.